What's up, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Good Goal Podcast. This is episode 20, the Big 2-0. I'm Christian Brady here from Foxford, Massachusetts. That's Matt T.R. back in Clemson, South Carolina. Yes, sir. As we start class today, I don't yep. know how much work you've done. I know you just had golf class. I had my golf class. I thought it was awesome. The professor said um, we got to learn the rarely known 11th commandment, which is thou shalt not three-putt which I oh, thought was awesome. Very good one. Very good yeah. one. I so. adhere to that for sure. Yeah, good for him. So, yeah, classes start today. And thank God we got something to distract us because these have been the best playoffs ever. Oh, it's awesome. It feels like just because. Unbelievable. It's like I said, I predicted it. It was like we don't have hockey for three months, and then it comes back in such, like, ridiculous doses. It's like we're not going to be able to handle it. And I haven't been able to handle it. No, there's, it's actually for the first time in my life, I've had hockey overload. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I might have to like skip this game so I can enjoy the next one because it's just exactly so much. it's like I got to get off the couch and move over so I don't leave it dead. Yeah, I'm just sitting there all day, moving up to my room, watching one on my computer, then down to the basement on the TV. Yeah. When there's a 12, 3, 6, Eight and ten thirty game. You ha- you're bound to skip one of them just to eat. And you and I were just talking about this too. Every game is good, so it's not like you could walk away halfway through the third period and be like, "I know how this game ends," because there's been like two or three games that have been like that, and they were both in the Flyers series. Well, and Colorado seven to one. Okay, true. But oh, yeah. that was so exciting because Colorado was just like, "All right, how many are they going to put up?" Because they had six in the first two periods. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. But, yeah, it's just been awesome. Uh, why don't we get some news out of the way, and then we'll get right into updates because it's been awesome. Yeah, we like to get our sad stuff out of the way first so we can – Yeah, so some laugh. sad news. Hall of Famer Dale Howartruck passed away at age 57 after a long battle with cancer. Um, like I said, Hall of Famer, he's got a huge rap sheet. Just some of it is Calder Trophy in 82, 1,400 career points, 1,409 to be exact. Over yep. 16 seasons with the Jets, Blues, Sabres, and Flyers. Um, one of the game's greats. Uh, great guy from what we hear. He's been a junior coach ever since he re- retired. Always around the game. And uh, this is a sad loss for the hockey community, for sure. Uh, for sure. 57 is w- way too young. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, you said it perfectly. One of the game's all-time greats. Won multiple gold medals with Gretzky and Lemieux. Um Calder Trophy in 82. I mean, this guy was a stud. He was actually on my ultimate team back in NHL 18. Mm. This guy just knew how to get the puck in the net, whether he was scoring or assisting. Um, huge loss for the hockey community is an understatement. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, cancer is just a terrible disease. So, Yeah, so shout out to yeah. your family. I'm thinking about you. Definitely. And all of those communities and everybody, really. I mean, I think every single – hockey Twitter account tweeted about this and yeah even for teams that he didn't affect directly it was still a big loss so this is a, yeah, how great of a right speaks to how great of a guy and a player he was so rest in peace yeah this is uh this is up there with like um I literally I don't know why I just blanked on his name now I feel horrible Richard I remember was recent yeah Henry Richard yeah the guys like that Mr. Hockey dying like he's up there with them so yeah yeah okay 
We'll move on to some less sad, but still sad news. Yeah. Tuka Rask leaves the bubble for a family emergency and opts out of the season. If this were in a vacuum, I would say it's okay, but this is the important part that I'm about to read right now. This is following comments about not being in prime shape, feeling like he's playing in exhibition games, and here's the kicker. He said, not quoting, but paraphrasing, yeah, it's just a weird environment, um, so I'm just going to play, not worry about results, and just try to have fun. And that is a game two through eight attitude. That is not a game playoff game one attitude. Um, it's so hard. There's a lot of hate around Tuka Rask in Boston, and I'm a defender. I come out here and defend him all the time, man. I know you know that about me. Yeah. Um, I support anyone's decision to leave the bubble for any reason at this point. Um, mental health, obviously, is big. That's a possibility with Tuka. Family, he's got a newborn child, um, and also two other young kids, young girls, I think. So any mental, physical health, family reasons to leave the bubble, absolutely. I can't just, like, leave it at that, though, for this one for some reason. It just feels like something else is at play. Like, it really feels like he didn't want to be there and he just left, and that, like, hurts me as a fan. Uh, it's unfortunate because you're a Boston fan, so it's like it, it definitely hits you harder than a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was – it was so weird. The whole situation was weird. It was like literally the day before he was like, yeah, you know, we heard at 10 a.m. when there was a 12 a.m. game. Yeah. So the day before he's like, there's no fans. This doesn't feel like the playoffs. Like I'm, uh-huh. I'm just out here to have fun. And then literally 10 a.m. before a noon puck drop. Um, who's y'all's GM? Don Sweeney comes out and he's like, so Tuca opted out. Uh, we, we fully back him. Uh, we knew, like, we knew this. His response was super weird too. He was like, "We yeah. knew this was coming." Like, what? You knew that the Vesna Trophy winner is just leaving, right? Um, and then Brian Boucher was super sincere about it uh, pregame, and Mike Milbury <laughs> gave him a whooping. I mean, he tore into him. And I texted you that I said Boucher was sincere. Milbury is pissed, and you said. That is the exact reaction from both of them that I was expecting. Yeah, uh, yeah and I said everybody I think fall, falls somewhere in the middle of the two of them. So yeah, yeah. That's where I fall. More, They're both more towards Boucher. But, yeah, Milbury's from Walpole, Mass. That's 20 minutes down the street for me. Um, he knows well, what it's like around Boston. So he even said, I grew up there. I played for Boston. I coached Boston. Uh, the Boston community is not going to react well. And his final comments were, this might be Tuca's last game as a Bruin. And it was like, what? Um, so I'm, I'm in the middle because I sat here on this podcast and said, and it's on record, it's on tape, that if someone is opting out for family or health reasons, you are not allowed to bash them. And if you do, you're wrong. 100%. Um, but – I'm with you. There's there's something about this one I can't let go because of his prior comments saying, well, it doesn't really feel like playoffs, and then he just leaves. Um, I'm not willing to accept that fact because a, an example close to home for me is Lars Eller, who's on the Capitals, went home, missed the birth of his child, actually, 
got to D.C. the day after his child was born, stayed there for two days, came back, did four days of negative tests, and he was allowed to play. Like, it, you're, I just, there's something about his priorities that aren't right. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, family comes first. I hope, God, this is such a weird thing to say. I hope nothing's wrong with his family, but I hope he had a reason to go back. Does that make sense to you? That makes perfect I really, sense. I really want to know that Tuka Rask cares about hockey. He just left because something else was pulling at him and he needed to leave. And if that were the case, 100%, I stand by him. I just really, really hope that he didn't leave just because he didn't want to be there because that's complete betrayal of his teammates. And to be honest, it's a betrayal of us, the fans, and the whole organization who watch him and, like, cheer for him to play well. And me, who defends him against all the people who don't like him. Um, I think I speak for both situation. of us. I think I speak for both of us when I say it's, it's the way the situation played out that has us frustrated. If we had some more clarity on why he left, we would be a lot more willing to forgive and, and let it pass. But Definitely. the way he reacted, the way he just bounced, and the way Don Sweetie worded um, his explanation, it's like, it's not shady, but it's, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit off. Um, I also want to – I apologize a lot on the show because I have a lot of hot takes and I have to backtrack. <laughs> um, when I, I texted you, I texted you. I was like, did you see two cops out? You were like, what? Um, I was like, this, this story is not getting enough credit because he's not just a top five goalie. He's going to win the Vesna. He's mm-hmm. the best goalie. He was the best goalie in the league this year, and he's just said, I'm out. So – uh, it's it's insane. Yep. All right. Well, why don't we stay on the topic of goaltending and move on in the same breath? There are a couple other goaltending mysteries that seem, you know, they're just interesting to discuss. So Tomas Grice has not played since the qualifying round where he and Varlamov split time. Yep. Um, Grice was far and away the number one guy in New York this year and in the past. So. It's just odd. I, you've watched the series. I'm sure they've talked about it a little bit. Has he been on the bench? No, uh, they don't bring him up at all, and because that's because Varlamov has been playing lights out. So I, yeah, he really I had no idea. Our last episode, I was talking, and I, I felt like we didn't do our research or we just didn't know hockey. Because uh, when we were previewing the Dallas Stars game, I was like, yeah, Ben Bishop's going to be the X Factor. He's not even playing. Uh, I was talking about Tomas Grice. He's not playing. I'm like, what, where are these guys that we, like, we were talking about? Cam Talbot for Calgary is playing amazing. And I like, even said Calgary doesn't have any goaltending. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But Varlamov has been playing lights out. That's why Grice is on the bench. Okay. Well, yeah, it's just been such a weird situation because, as you mentioned quickly, in Dallas, um, Anton Hudobin has been playing. And I don't know, a lot of people know Hudobin. He's been around the league. He's oh, probably he's, one of the funniest weird guys of all time. He's exactly what you think of when you think of a goalie. He's just so off. And honestly, he's playing, like, very, very well right now. Yeah. But Ben Bishop, who is obviously a Vezina caliber goalie, there hasn't been a single word about where he is. Me being a Boston fan, 
I can tell you from my experience watching press conferences and stuff that even with the, you know, unfit to play whole thing where you don't have to, teams don't have to release any information about what is happening with their players. Bruce Cassidy has at least updated us, the fans and the media, about what's going on with players, where they are. We knew when Andre Kasha was coming to the bubble, he had to stay a couple of days, so we knew all about that. Ben Bishop, I don't know if this is just me missing anything. There's absolutely nothing being said about him. All we know is that he's unfit to play. We don't know if he's in the bubble. He has not been on the bench. We don't know where he is. So uh, intermission report was like, Liam McHugh and Patrick Sharp and Anson, they were saying that Ben Bishop, like, is Vezina caliber, but his injuries have, like, hindered his legacy lately. Uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's the reason or not. They, Like you said, they haven't been clear at all of what's going on. And it's yeah, it's great that quick. Hugh Dovin's playing amazing, but yeah. to me, if you are going to win a cup, you need a Ben Bishop caliber guy. Yeah, there was a quick nugget from Pierre Maguire that was just like, all he did was say, yeah, people are wondering where Ben Bishop is and what's going on, but who don't want to play well? I'm like, yeah, I am wondering. Do you know anything about it? It, yeah. it really sounds like nobody knows anything. Let us know, Pierre. I know. Who knows? If Pierre knew, I don't know. Pierre's a weird guy. We've talked about Pierre on here a lot. We're not fans of Pierre. We're going to be open no. about it. No, I don't like Pierre Maguire. Mm-hmm. Unless he wants to hire me, then I love him. I am a huge fan of moving Brian Boucher to primetime Eastern, like, Eastern Coast games. He has been awesome. I, I don't know if I've he made this. Out. I've, definitely, I've definitely made this comparison to you. I don't know if I've done it on the podcast. He's hockey's Tony Romo. He's awesome behind the booth because he looks behind the booth, in the booth, behind the glass is what they call yeah. it. Because he's in his own little bubble down there, which is kind of funny. But he really is. He, he takes you into the mind of goalies which is something that even the best hockey minds ever cannot do because yeah. the minds of goalies are so weird. And he is able to do it. He can tell you exactly what he's thinking. Um, it's and awesome. he has relationships. The best part, and this is where the Tony Roma comes in, he has relationships with the guys. So he can tell you really what they're like. He, ben Bishop is a guy who's been around, but also hockey's a family, and you basically know everyone you're playing against unless they're very new. Um, yeah. And he has those relationships with those guys, which makes his commentary very interesting. And I, I love every time he speaks. He's awesome. Yeah, the best part for me is when he calls out a goalie for cheating too much or coming yep. out of the crease too much because he did it himself playing. Exactly. And he says that. He's the first to admit. He's like, yeah. I'm not half as good as any of these goalies. Yeah, exactly. Tell you awesome. what they did wrong. He's so That's good. Funny. Anyway. Okay, why don't we move on to some other injuries slash bubble leaving. Vladimir Tarasenko in a huge loss for the Blues leaves the bubble for more work with a specialist in St. Louis on his surgically repaired shoulder. We think he rushed back for this. The original timeline was uh, done for the year. He'll be back next season. Obviously, timelines were moved up when the season got pushed back. He worked hard to get back. Sounds like they rushed him back a little bit, so... He either re-aggravated or it just never fully healed for him. So he's out of the bubble and back at St. Louis. He has not opted out. That's an important distinction. He could return if they go back and say, oh, it's fine. It just hurts, but you can play. He can come back four straight days of tests. I don't really know exactly what it is, but it's either a quarantine. Yeah, it it's uh, four, four straight, straight days, days of, of negative tests. 
So I thought it was like a 10 day quarantine, but you have to quarantine four straight days and four negative tests on each day. That's what Lars Eller did. And then you can get going. I want to point out that it's not just four tests and you're thrown back in the lineup because Lars Eller was stuck in his room. Like you can't leave your room. So these guys aren't ready to kill a penalty. Like, from their hotel room. Oh, yeah. They got a couple Definitely days not. to, like, get back in the shape, game shape. So, it's, like, seven or eight days. So, for Tarasenko, it seems unlikely. But for other players who have left the bubble for whatever reason, it's not like that's the end all be all. They could technically come back. Same goes yeah. for Tuca. I, I like possibly that. comes back. Me too. Um, it makes their decision easier. Because Tarasenko, if he needs work on his shoulder, if he weren't able to go back, he probably wouldn't have left. I mean, I don't know the situation, but yeah, he was on the fence about whether he should play with it or not, and the team doctor couldn't get into um, Edmonton where they are. He probably would have just played and made his shoulder worse instead of leaving and coming back. Um, so hopefully that's the case when he gets back in the lineup because he's a fun guy to watch as much as I hate the Blues. Uh, they're going to need him to go back-to-back. That's all I got to say. Definitely, definitely. Okay, David Posternak has been out since game one. I don't know if you saw it, Matt, um, on the goal, the overtime goal by Bergeron, on which he made an incredible pass to Patrice Bergeron, and Bergeron was able to score. Um, he went up with his hand and celebrated and then immediately clutched his, like, stomach, abdomen, whatever you want to call it, and has been out ever since. So it looks like an abdomen injury. I don't think it happened then. I think he was hurt and just instinctual when the puck goes in, he reacts, celebrates, and it hurts. Um, the general tone from Bruce Cassidy is day-to-day, um, we're being safe. Right now, it doesn't look like he needs to play. The Bruins have looked really good Yeah. Um, without him. And if this were like game five, Stanley Cup finals, I would imagine he'd be in the lineup. It's just this early they're going to need him for a run if they make one so it's better to keep him out that's the tone i get but again recurring theme we really don't know anything no um i agree with you they're going to need him if they're going to make a deep playoff run but they're up three one uh the way they've rallied around halak after the rask debacle um they don't need him i, I have i picked the canes to win but uh, I don't see them losing tonight because they've ever since Rask left, they've just been absolutely dominant. So, yeah, yeah, they really have. And it, the debate sparked do you want Tuka Rask who doesn't care, or do you want Yara Halak who will do anything to get the win? Um, Tuka obviously being such a better goalie, but, and I know we'll discuss this later, but it is an interesting conversation. Why don't we stay within the series? We'll talk about Andre Sveshnikov. He suffered a leg injury with in a net front battle with Sedano Char in game Russo. three. It was really ugly. Um, he just got twisted around. His toe dug in, and it looked like his ankle or his knee really could have popped. Um, no definitive news. All we know is that he missed game four. Uh, nothing has been said about game five yet, which is four hours from now as we record this on Wednesday. I don't know. It, like you said before this, if I had to guess, he's out for the year just because of how it looked. But you never really know. He had no brace or anything on when he was watching the game from the stand. So that could be a good sign. We don't know. No crutches in sight. So that's all we know. Uh, it's it's so weird 
because it's a bubble situation. So you know, I'm assuming if he had to get surgery, he would leave the bubble. I would um, imagine. So I, the way it looked, to me, it was a torn ankle or a torn Achilles because his leg was going the absolute wrong way when he fell. But best of luck. I mean, if, if they somehow pull out a win tonight and he's – I mean, even if he's close to 100%, he needs to be back out there because it's do or die. So Definitely. And leg injuries uh, are weird where it could make a guy a much worse player, but I agree with you. We didn't have it in the script, but Nicholas Backstrom for the Capitals, Anders Lee had a – and I'm clearly biased, but it was a defenseless player and he only – I think he only got two minutes. Um, Tom Wilson would have got suspended for six years and thrown in the pit of misery. That hit. Uh, ever since then, Anders Lee's been a targeted man. The point of me saying all this is that Backstrom is still out. Uh, he is our quarterback on the power play. He is, our, to me, our best center, even though we put Kuznetsov on the front line. If we're going to win this series, we need him back. Um, if we're going to, cause we're down three, one, and if we're going to make a playoff run, we definitely need him back. Yeah. So that's all I got on that, but. All right, cool. So why don't we move into the series? We're going to start in the West Vegas Golden Knights make the first elimination of the playoffs. They, the number one seed beat Chicago, the number 12 seed four to one. I had Chicago winning the series just because how well they looked, how good they looked in the qualifying round and it did not reciprocate. Vegas just walked all over him other than the one game they won when they were down 3-0. Uh, pretty decisive win for Vegas and now they get some rest, which I'm sure will be helpful. What was my prediction? Do you have it pulled up? Yeah, I think you had Vegas. I did have Vegas. In six. I can't remember. In six so okay. Vegas in five. That's pretty good, Matt. Good for you. Um, Sorry. Robin Lehner hadn't lost a game until game four. For Vegas, like regular season and postseason. I, it's weird that they, they went with him because Marc-Andre Fleury, from what I've heard, is healthy and ready to go. But I I hate – I'm not a big fan of Marc-Andre Fleury just because of what he's done to the Capitals. But the respect I have for him and the fact that he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer I mean, he's such a big locker room presence. He's such a leader on the bench. He's such a leader on and off the ice, uh, even when Robin Lander's starting over him. Um, Robin Lander playing as well as he is and having guys like Marc-Andre Fleury in the locker room. Vegas is very dangerous, and they, they right now they look like they could win the Cup tomorrow. Yeah, this always seems to happen to Marc-Andre Fleury. It's so weird because Matt Murray, obviously a young guy, it's a little bit of a different situation. But him being got getting Bledsoe by Matt Murray and then not playing the entire playoffs. Yeah. Um, he's still, dare I say, he's a Hall of Famer, I would say. And he, again, is now finds himself on the bench when he was the clear number one before – any of this happened, you know? They went out and got later at the deadline, Vegas did, because they felt like they could use the help. And now later is the number one guy, and it doesn't look like they're going to look back until they see something from him that says he can't win hockey games anymore. Uh, it's just sad for Flurry because he did struggle a little bit this year, but the fact is he would start on 15 NHL teams. It just thinks that he keeps finding himself in situations where it his team is not one of them, you know? It's very sad because this is like the third time it's happened to him in his career. I know. 
I know. So here's the situation, Matt. Lanner plays again next year, and they protect him. Vegas does. And Flurry goes to Seattle and starts another expansion franchise. So, Lanner's a UFA. He signed a one-year deal with Chicago. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, say Lanner wins a cup, he's getting $12 million a year from whoever wants to take him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. We'll see. Which is crazy because yeah. he was a Vesna finalist the year before last, and he signed a one-year $5 million with Chicago to split time yeah, with Corey Crawford, which was, like, so weird to me. It's just a holdover for him, which is smart. I don't know how old he is, but I don't think he's too old. I'm hoping – hope he does that, like, one-year $6 million and then goes to Seattle because I think he could benefit Ooh. from that. My dad is yeah. very high on – that. he's the one who gave me that idea. But I, I don't know. I think I – think, we've talked about this before. I think Hopi's already signed his ticket regardless, but anyway, yeah. we'll talk about that when we get to the Capitals series. But Robin Lanner, he looks like a Stanley Cup winning goalie right now. That's my that's my final thought on this series. Cool. All right, let's move on. Colorado Avalanche, the number two seed versus 11 Arizona. Colorado leads 3-1. All of their victories have been decisive, including a 7-1 win. Colorado is in the driver's seat here. I don't see it any other way, ending any other way. I'd say Colorado wins in at least five or six. Um, I think Colorado wins. I think they play tonight. Um, yeah. I the reason so I the way I worded it, I worded it purposefully last when I was talking about Vegas. I said it looks like they could win the cup tomorrow. The only team standing in the way is Colorado. Colorado to me looks like the best team in hockey. They are freaking – they can score on anybody at any time, and Grubauer is playing great. They're going to be tough to beat. Um, yeah, he is. I pick Colorado and Vegas in the Western Conference Finals. To me, it looks like that's – I mean, there's a, it's a guarantee unless something crazy happens that it's going to be Colorado-Vegas, and that is going to be a seven-round heavyweight fight, and I'm <laughs> – yeah. They are both putting up massive numbers. They both got great goalies. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. I mean, Colorado, like I said, they look awesome. Um, I have to agree with you. But I will say you better hold off because the other two teams, the other two top seeds in the um, West look really good as well. So let's move on to Dallas. The number three seed, they leave the Flames 3-2 after being down 2-1. Yep. Um, they've now won two in a row. Game four, overtime. Um, what was it? Klingberg scored, who I love. We talked about him before. Um, like you mentioned before, Cam Talbot playing awesome for Calgary. That's the reason I brought up game four. They had like 60 shots, and they scored five, five to ten minutes into the first overtime, which means they had more than 40 or 50 in – regulation. Cam Talbot's stand on his head still gets a loss, which you always hate to see. It happened in round one in game one with um, Tampa and Columbus, and we'll talk about that later, where Corpusalo breaks the record for all-time saves in an NHL game and loses. Um, Dallas, I think, looks awesome. Two wins in a row where they look very good with um, perennial backup goalie Anton Ngoman, who's played on all 32 teams, basically, at this point. Yeah. Backup, so they look awesome. Um, I really think they look great. 
And that's why I think that you should bite your tongue when you talk about Vegas and Colorado because Dallas is right up there. And I have them going to the titles. And I'm still going to keep them there. I think they look great. You're biased because you have Dallas in the finals and you want to ride with that. Um, every game but one in this series has been decided by one goal. That's, that means you're playing awesome hockey. Um, mm-hmm. Both goalies, early, Cam Talbot played great and then he gave up five goals in game two, and then had a shutout in game three. So it seems like these teams just keep, like, going back and forth. I think I think Calgary wins tomorrow when they play, and then game seven is just going to be crazy. All right. That's, that's, that's my prediction. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, oh, uh, in this series, Matthew Kachuk's still out, right? Yes. That's a huge uh, loss because he's such yeah. a leader in that locker room. He really is, and um, Brad Marchand type just com- can completely change the outlook of a game based on emotion. Yeah. He just has that ability to rile another team up, and when you get a star going, like I'll mention Tyler Sagan, if Matthew Kachuk were able to get him off his game or Jamie Benn, it just seems like they wouldn't have a chance of winning, and that's he does that so well. And yeah, same goes for Marchand. Same goes for Tom Wilson. These guys can change games more than, you know, the average fan would realize just because the emotions that they bring into this game seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah, he gets that from his Hall of Fame dad, so. Yeah, not to mention he can put the puck away too, so. Exactly. It's a big loss for Calgary. Okay, last series, St. Louis Blues first. They're the number four seed against the seven Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver jumped out to a 2-0 lead. St. Louis looks like they've taken control of the series, winning the last two. Um, St. Louis is in the driver's seat, even though it's 2-2. I don't count Vancouver out, but I said before, it doesn't look like they have much of a chance. St. Louis looked great in the last two games. They lost six games in a row, or I guess if you count the exhibition, it was seven. Um, starting, no, six, including it, because there were three round-robin games. Yeah. As soon as they won that first game, I – it happened with the Bruins. It's the reason I said on the last episode that the team that won the first game in the Carolina series would win the series. Same thing goes for St. Louis. They win a game, and they finally realize that they're an actual hockey team again, and I don't think they'll look back. Yeah. Um, Vancouver gave – I think Vancouver gave everything they had uh, and, and a bag of chips in game one. Uh, I mean, absolutely destroying St. Louis 5-2. to two. And then they squeak out a victory. I mean, they were getting outplayed. They squeak out a victory in game two, go up 2-0. And then I think the tide just turned with the Blues winning the overtime game in game three. And then they end up – they win decisively in game four. This, yeah. this series reminds me of when the Capitals won in 18. We went down 2-0 to Columbus. And then we squeaked out an overtime win in game three and just never looked back. I think St. Louis is going to do that. I don't think Vancouver wins another game. I think St. Louis, gentlemen's sweep. I think they win the next two, and it's on okay. the hard to Hard to call you crazy for that prediction. It does seem like it's going that way. Let's move on. I feel to like I've seen this before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the East. The Philadelphia Flyers, the number one seed against the number 12 seed, Montreal Canadiens. The Flyers lead the series 3-1. Montreal's only win coming – the day after Coach Claude Julian was diagnosed with heart trouble, had to leave the bubble to get treatment, 
had to get Sad surgery. news about Claude Julian. Yeah. Had to get surgery, put a stint into his heart. Um, they rallied around him that first game back and won 5 nothing. Looked amazing. But since other, other than that game, the Flyers have driven this series. They look great. Uh, I don't think they look back. I think they win the series. We didn't mention Claude Julian until now, so just best wishes to him. Absolutely. As a coach to Boston, I loved him in Boston. Didn't think he fit. He's since evolved. This Montreal team has that defensive physical mindset that Boston always had under Claude Julian, but they do have that offensive flair. Just a great coach, great guy. Uh, I wish him the best, but I think the Flyers win this series. What's up? Sorry, I'm doing my <laughs> podcast. You can come say hi to the camera. Oh, who we got? Marissa. Oh, Marissa. Hello, Marissa. Um, to everyone that's listening and watching, Marissa is the one who edited our uh, hockey show on Tiger Vision. That amazing intro with shipping up to Boston, all her. It was awesome. Anyway, um, do you need something? No, you do. <laughs> I'll be done soon, I promise. Hey, go ahead. Um, professional I know, this is ridiculous. Um, Carey Price stood on his head game one and they still lost and then with the, with the Momentum he had carrying into game two and the loss of Claude Julian. I mean, that team was riding so much emotion. It made sense that they won 5 nothing. And then I don't know what Carter Hart did. I don't know what the goalie coach said to him. But back-to-back shutouts after giving up five goals, unbelievable. This kid is only 22. I picked Montreal because of Carey Price, but Carter Hart has been the difference. So uh-huh. I, I think the I, you're right. The Flyers don't look back. They win this series. Okay. All right. Why don't we move on? Number two, Tampa Bay against number nine, Columbus. Despite this series being 3-1 Tampa, I think that this has been the best series so far other than Dallas and Calgary. Every single game has been close, including a five overtime game to start the series, to start the playoffs, really. Yep. Um. Absolute nightmare scenario for the NHL having to move back games and you share one ice service for an entire league. It's really difficult to not have this happen and it happens night one. But that was just an unbelievable game. Like I said before, Corpusalo breaks the record. He now is the goaltender with the most saves in a single NHL game. No one will ever break that. But every single game has been good. Tampa has eked out wins. Um, Columbus Really, the only decisive victory in game two, they won 4 1 or something like that. So, they look, Columbus looks great. Tampa looks great. Don't put Columbus to bed just because of how close these series have been. I do think Tampa wins, but Columbus has looked great. Um, I expect game five and hopefully six and hopefully seven to all be great games. What do you got, Matt? Um, uh, game one starts at three o'clock, ends at like 11 30 Eastern. Um, yeah they had to move back the 8 o'clock which is insane to say that a 3 o'clock game had to push back the 8 o'clock game um, to the next day because they were so late Uh, Blue Jackets won 3-1 game 2 I think it was an empty net so all of these games have been decided by one goal Um, (laughs) 
you're right. This even though Tampa's up three one, this has been the to me the best series as well. Uh, very physical. Tampa's pissed off about last year. Tortorella is such a character. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> He's yeah. got that edge all the time. So. I hope I hope the Blue Jackets win. Uh, I think puck drop was like ten minutes ago as Ooh, we were playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope the Blue Jackets win this game just so we can see some more of this series because it's Me been too, awesome. It's been awesome. Um, yeah. And again, Corpusalo, eighty-five saves and still lost. I feel so bad for that guy. Uh, he deserves free beers, free dinner in Columbus <laughs> for the rest of his life after that game. And I, no one is ever going to break eighty-five saves in a game. So there's no way. There's no way. Um, I hope, since it was played in Toronto, I hope they got his skates or his, his pad or his stick from that game definitely, so they can play in the Hockey Hall of Fame because that is unbelievable. Definitely they got something. Yeah. So we'll have to go visit and we'll see it. Yeah, they just shipped it down the road. Literally. Yeah, exactly. It's so That's close. what I'm saying. They're right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to let you introduce this next one and kick us off because I know you got thoughts on it. Oh, God, you're going to let me go first? I got so many rants to do on this one. Um, okay, I'll, I'll sit back. I'll go, I'll go to the bathroom. I don't go um, number three, Washington Capitals. Uh, number six, New York Islanders. The Islanders are up 3-1 in the series. Um, I was – sadly enough, it, it sounds bad to say this as a Capitals fan, I wanted the sweep. Um, Todd Reardon, to me, is the problem. Uh, we won a cup. We gave – Barry Trotz, a four-year contract, and in those four years, he's the winningest coach in hockey, wins the division three times, and wins a cup. And we say, you know what? You're not worth the money, which is unbelievable to me. And then he goes to New York and says, you know what? If we play you, I'm just going to absolutely shut you down and be the best defensive team you've ever seen. And that's what he's been. Um, it's, it pisses me off so much. Uh, to me, Todd Reardon is not ready to be a head coach. He's not a good enough leader because he disciplines these guys like game 81, which is ridiculous. Um, So as a fan, as a true diehard, I bleed capitals red. I wanted the sweep. I wanted short-term disappointment for long-term success. I, because to me, Todd Reardon is not the guy and I was willing to get swept to have an excuse to fire him. Now have a win. I'm, I'm ready for the Capitals to come be the fifth team ever to come back from a 3-0 deficit. I don't think we're going to do it because the Islanders are so good defensively. But, yeah, that, that's my rant. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get swept, so we had an excuse to keep the coaching staff because the coaching staff has been disappointing, uh, pathetic, disgusting, uh, <laughs> Any any synonyms that go with those three words you could throw out there? Yeah, so it would be a splash to fire a guy, a coach, after such a crazy situation. With that being said, I think getting swept in the first round would have been that reason. From a lower getting seed. that one win, yeah, by a lower seed. Getting that one win, while it seems insignificant, especially, I mean, I don't want to jinx it, but especially if they lose tomorrow night, and this series ends 4-1, it doesn't seem like much of a difference. But it makes it harder to fire Todd Reardon because it really is tough to justify saying this is something that's never happened before, but you weren't able to handle it. You're fired. This is never going to happen again, hopefully, knock on wood. So how how do you judge him based on handling a situation that has never happened and never will happen? You want to 
fire him or keep him based on his decision-making in normal hockey play. So it really would be tough to fire him. Uh, as sports fans, it's so natural for us to scapegoat. And there's, I mean, there's no other problems. You have Braden Holpe, who's an unreal goalie. Ovechkin, who's looked great, by the way, in this series, looked awesome. He has like four or five goals, right? He has four goals in this series. He's looked great. I mean, forward, defenseman, the team is so stacked with talent and they're still not able to win in the playoffs. So there has to be a reason to look for. And unfortunately, you look straight behind the bench to Todd Reardon. It just seems like he's not the guy to get it done, like you said. So for your sake, I hope he's out. If they win another game, I don't think it's possible that he gets fired after this season. No, I don't think it's possible now. Um, like you, I think you worded it perfectly. In a global pandemic, I think the only way you could justify is if you just get absolutely trashed, right. um, which we were on track to do because we went down 2 nothing in the first period, and then we scored three unanswered. So, uh, and, and it's weird to me because it's almost like he has a switch of – he doesn't know what he's doing to being a good coach because he is a good coach. I just don't think he's ready to be a head coach. Um, I mean, he has multiple Stanley Cups as an assistant coach. But, I mean, yet last night, the last 40 minutes we played, we were absolutely suffocating. And it's like, where has yeah. this team been? Uh, why do we have to go down 3-0 to start playing like this? So, uh, it, it's hard for me because I'm not in the locker room. But yeah. just – it just seems like the the talent we have, like you said, the power play, our power play has been top five in the league ever since Ovi came in the league. Braden Holpe is a Vesna winning trophy, a Vesna trophy winner, and also has the Stanley Cup, and we don't win it without him. Um, I, I, it's got to be coaching. Decor is as strong as any other team. Yeah, we have the Norse trophy <laughs> winner on our team. Right. Right. I mean, you're right. So, you got to look somewhere, and Todd Reardon's the guy you look to. And I don't think I've ever ranted about, like, this, like, publicly wanting to fire the coach of my own team. But, again, with the amount of talent we have on our team, when we're healthy, we're, to me, other than Tampa, the most stacked team depth-wise in hockey. And it's, and it's frustrating to see because – it shows in the regular season. We dominate everybody. We we won our division five years in a row, and we can't even get out of the first round three out of those five years. It's it's so frustrating. Um, yeah. I get so pissed off when people say it was a fluke that we won the cup, but it, it looks like that. And and people in the organization are saying, well, remember when we won the cup, we went down 2-0. Remember when we – if we <laughs> stop, stop living in the past, we're not going to win that way. Like – Great, we won a cup. It was awesome. That was also two years ago, and we lost to the seven seed last year in seven games. I mean, we got outclassed by Carolina last year. We're getting outclassed this year by the Islanders. Who cares that we won a cup two years ago? There. Yeah. I'm done ranting. Okay. Yeah, the Islanders have played this series exactly like they want to. Uh, we predicted it. It's the same thing that's going on in uh, Montreal or that we thought would go on in Montreal, but it's really playing out in this series where Washington can just overpower them if they really want to, unless New York plays a smart style. And they have. They It's the typical Barry Trotz. You block shots, you take the shots from the outside, and you take your opportunities when you can get them. A lot of these games have been even, or even the Caps are out shooting. 
but it really doesn't seem like you dominate. If you look at the box score, you don't get the story of these games because the Islanders really have played it to perfection to this point. And even last night, they did look good in the first period. So They go up one, they go up two, and they always have three people back, which is so frustrating because you can't get clean entries. You can't get good looks. It's, you have to shoot from the blue line. You can't get in the high slot. You can't get in the high danger zones. It's so frustrating. Um, it's, it's such a smart way to play, too, because if you have physical guys like Matt Martin on your team who has the NHL record right. for hitting the season – um, why wouldn't you play like that? So, to me, I love Barry Trotz as a coach. I love him as a person. Um, and, and good on him for playing to his strong suit. It's just frustrating being on the other side because you know there's not a lot you can do unless you score early and make them be aggressive, which we haven't. So, Yep, I feel your pain, Matt. I feel your pain. I mean, the capital situation now and before the 2018 Cup, was the same as the Bruins from 2012 to 2019. So I completely understand it. It's just, it really is tough to, you know, be a part of it. All right, let's so move I feel on. For you. But Come yeah, on, yeah, why don't we move on? There's one more. Uh, number four, Boston Bruins versus number five, Carolina. Another great series where uh, 3-1 maybe really doesn't tell the story. Boston has increasingly looked better in every game. They kind of laid an egg in the first period of game four, but then four unanswered goals in the third period. Well, it was four unanswered goals until one was answered, but four straight goals in the third period is a better way to say it. Four, three victory in game four. I don't think they look back. The Bruins look more like the Bruins with every minute of every game. So I'm excited to see where they go. I don't think they've played their A game. Like famous Tiger Woods quote. I haven't played my, I haven't had my A game for an entire tournament in my entire career. It feels exactly like that for Boston where they're winning these games, but they have not had their A game yet, which is exciting as a fan, but also a little bit worrisome. If we didn't have this kind of lead, it'd be like, well, come on, let's get it going, right? So thank God they're able to eke out these wins. Thank God Halak has looked – first game, he looked amazing the first game he played. Uh, two nights ago, you know, so-so, but they were able to still get the victory. So hopefully they continue to rally around him. Game today at four. Hopefully that's the end of the series. Speaking as a Bruins fan, but I want to hear your perspective from looking from the outside in. So uh, I'm living your worst fears that we're playing our our F game uh, until last night, and even then we I mean we were dominating after we took the lead, and that still is not our A game. You guys are in a position where it's okay to not bring your A game, and if Pasta comes back and you guys bring your A game, there's no one beating you from the East. So, um, I, to me, I hope – I think it almost would be better if Carolina squeaked out a win tonight so you guys could just have one more game to figure it out before facing huh. your opponent in the second round. I think uh, Carolina, with their back against the wall, Brandon Moore is going to draw up something and they're going to play emotional and it's going to be tough to beat them tonight. But Definitely. I, I agree with you. If Boston's if Boston can come back healthy and Boston's healthy and they start playing their A game, they're the best team in hockey to me. So Yep. Yep. Today will be definitely will be a very, very tough game for both of them. I mean Boston wants to get out of here. Carolina needs a win, obviously, facing elimination. So today will be a great game. Uh, tune in, Matt. I want to talk about it with you once it's done. And but that's Bruce all we got. Bruce Cassidy does not get the credit he deserves with uh, the turnaround of this team. 
Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. It does feel like they flipped the switch. Like we, you know, we're theorizing maybe they could do. A lot of people say, well, it doesn't really work like that. I guess it does kind of work like that if you got the, the kind of talent and coaching that, that the Bruins have. So thank God. Yeah, like you said, the Capitals, you just like, you see glimpses of their A game and you're just like, come on, like, you know, you got it now. Just get it going. It's just so frustrating to watch. Um, but the Bruins are getting wins out of it even still. So it's a good, we're in a good position. I'll, I'll leave it at that. And that's all we got for today. Our next show, we'll see the end of all these series, right? And probably the beginning of the next one. So yeah. the next episode um, should be a lot of fun. We'll probably come at you early next week so we can try to preview before we get too deep into the next series. So check out for that. Look out for that. It'll probably be on Monday, but. Cool. All right. Um, right. Go subscribe to our, to our subscribed, to our sponsored streamer, uh, Captain underscore ZT on Twitch. Got to thank our parents for, for sponsoring our podcast and also uh, letting us follow our dreams in college. Yes, yes, definitely. Sponsoring in many different ways. Yeah. You know, the usual end of episode messages. Um, uh, beer Money Sports tonight. You got the whole TR clan. Hopefully, yeah. Um, yeah I wore my Mets jersey. I wore my Mets jersey last night because I was so pissed off at the Capitals, and we win. So it's like – Hey, there you go. Should I just wear hey. my – And I know this is not a baseball podcast, but you got some bids on the Mets, so maybe the Will Pons are out. Who knows? We might be getting there. The yeah, I'll have to ask Rodriguez and company might buy this team. So that would be I a don't, very, very I don't interesting. Want that because we're going to send Pete Alonzo to the Yanks for a bag of chips like my <laughs> – Yeah, like exactly. Like did with Miami. Yep, yep, exactly. So um, we'll Yeah, I'll have, you, I'll have you on beer money so we can talk other sports. Yep, for sure. All right. We'll see you all next week. Peace. Peace.